This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I hope you had a great holiday weekend. We are back in action now and ready for the sprint. The sprint towards the finish on 2020. We have a lot of other things to discuss. And that finally, we could talk about candidates being on the road, out and about amongst us. And by the way, if you ever missed the show, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You'll just go to Spotify, iHeart, iTunes. But we most of all, we don't want you to miss the show, especially with so much breaking news happening within the show, and especially as both candidates, actually four candidates, fan out and are looking to create some news and interest. I think things are trending the president's way despite incredible headwinds. Think about this. The Michael Cohen book comes out. If anyone has done legal work for a very high-profile person for 25 years, from page six to The Apprentice, there was a lot of controversial things. We know that. Out with the book. Bob Woodward, next week. Out with the book. Now you have this other guy, Peter Strzok, who the president has exposed and, let's be honest, humiliated. Out with the book. Uh, And for some reason, these guys end up with big-time contracts. Lisa Page has got a contract, I think, with the network. I've never seen her on television. John Brennan's got a contract with the network. Uh, I don't see him much now. He's trying to keep a lower profile, I think. Andy McCabe's got a, a, a book deal. And he not only gets a book deal, he gets a deal with CNN, who has not asked him a tough question about this Russian investigation. Maybe the Durham probe will reveal that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When it comes to veterans, he's downright un-American. I've never said that about a president ever, ever, ever. These are heroes. Right, right, who you defunded and with rules of engagement basically left them as sitting ducks. Joe Biden, who are you yelling at? Does Donald Trump think those who serve are suckers and losers? That's the debate. We'll look at the another attempt to make the president's greatest strength, his support of the military, his weakness. I'll tell you where this Atlantic magazine story stands today. Number two. There is credible information that outside agitators want to destroy the PSB. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Major protests morphing into riots over the weekend. Portland, Rochester, New York, Seattle. I know, again, Los Angeles and New York. A new study says that only 7% of the BLM protests end up violent while admitting that 240 cities have experienced those violence. This is the number is totally unacceptable and deceptive. Number one. I would not trust Donald Trump. It would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the efficacy and the and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. Okay. Kamala Harris reminding everybody why her candidacy went nowhere. She's unprepared for every controversial, interesting topic. Like, for example, if a vaccine is available, should you take it? Here's a hint. The answer is yes. Trump doesn't mix it. He doesn't release it. That's done by the same people that if you become vice president, that you will use. 
56 days till Election Day in, in 2020 and 21 days until the first debate. All candidates are fanning out and calling each other out on key issues. Sadly, politics are playing a role, as you heard with the vaccine. We'll compare and contrast both. Well, my problem with Joe Biden is everything, because I don't know what to believe. Joe Biden was consistent in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s, kind of a moderate for Democrat on certain things, was somebody that was conciliatory, like to make deals, all right? Then he becomes vice president, and the president, Obama, and even his, even his fans will say he didn't make almost any deals at all, ever. And Joe Biden was lassoed on some budget deals because Harry Reid thought he was too, uh, I guess, conciliatory towards the right. And now the moderate, he's, as he's running, has staked a claim running from his past. China? He was easy on China. He put him into the WTO. He was for free trade agreements between and to cooperation between the countries. He was never for bringing work back to America. He was for free trade agreements. So was a lot of Republicans, by the way. That's just his track record. He was for NAFTA help write it. He was for the WTO help draft it. He was for all these trade agreements that hurt manufacturing in this country. They didn't foresee in the 80s, but that's what happened, even in 2008. But he saw the strength of the president. 73% of this country looks at China negatively. He was nice to China as late as a year ago, saying, they'll come on, we're going to eat their lunch. They're not competitors for us. They can't even control their own country, I paraphrase. Now he realizes, oops, I'm on the wrong side of that. I mean, he was playing basketball with the President Xi when he was there, trying to win him over with the good guy thing. And now we realize they are clearly enemies. They built two islands, militarized both those islands. The public's not for it. I've changed. Okay? So to win over the left, he says, I'm going to sign a co- cooperative agreement, understanding, with the far rest, socialist Bernie Sanders. So he helps me, unlike he didn't help Hillary Clinton. When it comes to frack, he said two or three times, I'm not going to frack. I'm going to get rid of fossil fuels. Now we're supposed to believe he's not because people don't want to get rid of fossil fuels in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and in Texas. So what are we supposed to believe? Your moderate track record, which is not good now, or your way to the left record, which will scare away moderates and undecided independents. So they're blasting away at each other. Here is uh, Kamala Harris, cut three. We are very honored, uh, proud, and lucky to have uh, Senator and soon-to-be Vice President Harris with us today. And I will pass it back over to you because I know you want to take some questions before you get out of here. We're all set. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. We're all set. Fantastic. That's another thing that Joe Biden has helped Kamala Harris with, not doing anything with the press. Why the press gives them a pass on that. Can you imagine this? So in the format, when the moderator's there, you have a good idea, even with a pretty important guest, if they're taking questions or not. She's the vice presidential candidate not taking questions because you can't handle it. Joe Biden can't handle it. What should happen, not in Harris's case, but Biden's case, should be not only is he slow, but he's rusty. They don't want to take any questions from the press, and when they do, they are so easy. You wonder if the press's checks are clearing, and should they check to should they check the direct deposit? So, Joe Biden with unions. This is not a big deal. With unions, he thinks union people want to talk tough all the time, as if everyone in a union or a blue collar job ever went to college. Listen to this. Cut one. Blasting President Trump on the economy. Really. It's blasting President Trump on the pandemic economy. You want to talk about the comeback 
fair game. Prior, fair game. But since the pandemic, it's akin, directly akin to blaming President Obama to the crashing uh, to the crashing economy that he took over from George Bush, which was because of Wall Street and all these loans. And we don't want to go over that again. But how we recovered, you great President Obama. But listen to Joe Biden. He thinks we're idiots. Cut one. President Trump keeps talking about how great this economy is, how great the stock market is. Well, another reason he didn't have the guts to take on COVID and throw up the white flag, he was worried if he started talking about saving people's lives, the stock market may fall. Well, we know. We know it's been great for his rich friends, but it hadn't been so great for the rest of us. Millions of people out of work. Evictions on the rise. 20 million people worrying about where they're going to lose their home because they have trouble making the mortgage payments. Healthcare being taken away. And Trump has a plan to gut Social Security. Okay, a couple of things. Not to gut Social Security. He's never even said that, gut Social Security. What he said is to give people temporary relief. Let's get them a payroll tax so they take more money home for those people who are working. No doubt about it. I saw this Axios poll, and I wanted to bring it forward. 43% of Americans... Uh, when we're asked last week, reported that they were concerned about their job security. Totally understand that. You probably got that if you were at a barbecue this weekend. 44% they were worried about their ability to pay their bills. That is totally real. Question is, not who you blame. You blame China. And you can blame our response. Okay. China, Sweden had, we're going to just put the vulnerable away, going to work through it. They still have a high number of casualties. But I think that was probably the best way, I think, in the retrospect. Israel is disciplined a society, as you can imagine. They are on virtual lockdown now, still. And their numbers are not good compared to the size of their country. That is an efficient, uh, money-making machine. They are, they are uh, innovative. They are unified. Everybody serves in the military. When you say something, Israelis know about unification. This is a tough virus to handle. In retrospect, maybe take five or ten years for somebody apolitical to come out and say that nobody would have handled this better. I sense that. It. I sense now, looking back, people will fault more the shutdown to begin with than they will what happened after. But I don't know yet. I just know that if I was a scientist, I would have known in January what to tell my people about wearing a mask. I would have told my people what to worry about and not worry about in terms of places to go. They were making it up as they go along. I don't know how you expect Trump to know. So that's going to be the debate. Byron York, who is going to be on our show at some point this week because he has uh, got a book out today, uh, weighed in on the economy. Cut five. This is not the same economy that existed at the start of the year, but everybody knows why that is. And the, the unemployment rate shot up uh, 11 points uh, when coronavirus hit, and now it's fallen down six points already. And Trump is trying to say, I'm the guy who can fix this. Biden can't do it. And that's going to be the key. But if you're going to come out and say Trump lost more jobs, come please. You want to talk about the deficit? You got to do the deficit before Congress wrote, uh, signed off on, and the president signed off on what Congress has for trillions of dollars to keep people in business while we ask them to go home and to keep the food chain going. And we know all this stuff. But if you're going to say that if Trump is not prepared on that in the debate to knock that out of the park, then he shouldn't win the debate. On law and order, not, not a word until after the convention. 
And when the president's convention was law and order and the video that was seen and the people that spoke and they got polling from suburban, uh, urban and suburban families who saw their city go up in flames and only one party caring about it, while only one party to, to decided not to control it, things started blowing up. Then Joe Biden weighs in. I'm law and order. Uh, I am uh, I am for protesters, not rioters. When asked about Antifa, he said, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't want, you know, I'm against Antifa, all of it. But he's not taking a firm stand against any of it. And he's been pushed there by the bar, uh, by the pie charts that show people care. And that's why I think the polls are closing. No question. I want to take your calls. Get welcome Alan West at the bottom of the hour. I want to talk about Texas, a brand new poll out. The president's actually trailing in Texas. New poll has him up by two. I think it's going to be a lot bigger. As Carl Rove educated us, is that they, if you could always tell if a campaign is worried or serious about taking a state by how much money they put in. There's one super PAC putting in some money, but for the most part, the campaign isn't. And we will talk about the president's money, too. Not a good situation. They wasted a lot of money. The word is that the president might be putting in $100 million of his own money to get a job that doesn't pay him anything. Go figure. Back in a moment. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It was not and has not been our campaign position of bailing anyone out. Uh, so I'm unsure about specifically what you're speaking well, to. Well, Kamala Harris tweeted about it. She said if you're able to chip into the Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota, please do. So, Brett, look, I think you ask a good question, right? Do we condemn the violence? And the answer is yes. Now, protesting, we have to make a clear distinction between protesting and violence. To be clear, as Vice President Biden has said, though, burning communities, looting communities is not protesting. That's violence. Uh, And we condemn that in all forms. 
but they do support people that are arrested. And if you don't get arrested for protesting, you get arrested for being violent. And they did. There was a bunch of Biden staffers and Harris staffers at her urging that forked over money to bail those people out. And we know it. And they didn't think it mattered. But now the the flow charts uh, and the pie charts show that people care about that. They're outraged by it. They see small business owners. They even see black small business owners saying with black owned business signs in their windows. And they're still getting blown up and blown out and destroyed. So when it became evident that the American people are not for the anarchy, they have changed. But she would not, and I'll play this a little bit later, she would not condemn Antifa. Listen to when Simone Sanders was asked, I'll do it now, about condemning Antifa. Cut 13. The vice president has been very clear. He condemns all forms of violence. And frankly, what you heard him say in the speech that he gave on Monday of last week was, it doesn't matter what political party uh, you belong to. It doesn't matter uh, what your political beliefs are. Violence is wrong. Joe Biden has been very clear. I do believe it's Donald Trump that has not. Really? Okay, that's right. Trump doesn't really talk much about law and order. Incredible. Joe Biden was asked, and he finally gave in. Cut 12. I condemned it across the board. The president still hasn't condemned the far-right folks coming out and, for, and protesting and using violence. Do you condemn Antifa? Yes, I do. Abs- violence, no matter who it is. Why not target it? Why not just talk about this, this, uh, this subculture in our society that is threatening to do more damage than al-Qaeda? Why not make it that stark? What is the problem? Does Antifa scare him because they're younger and they, he, they might alienate some voters? Howard, listen on the app in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Howard. Yes, Brian. Uh, just uh, have a proposition and uh, just want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, why is it that the conservative uh, media or journalists or guys like you, and I, obviously you're too high profile to do this, why can't we have a story that says uh, anonymous sources reveal uh, the squad to have prominent role in Biden kitchen cabinet? Uh, we know there's going to be uh, story yeah. after story against Trump, and uh, I know what you mean. I know. Like I'm, I understand your frustration, and I'm not saying that people don't use anonymous sources regularly. But you have the guy who did this. Is Goldberg um, did this? Condemn people that claimed that he was a sycophant to the previous administration because there were unnamed sources accusing Goldberg of just writing positive stories about the Obama administration, saying that he just trumpets whatever their, whatever their, uh, whatever their foreign policy department wants him to. And he said, well, I've had it with anonymous sources. Uh, he goes, notice they're anonymous sources. I don't do that. He's using anonymous sources now. But there could be more aggression that way. But you just talked about Omar. Interesting with Omar, you don't have to use anonymous sources to know what she thinks. Listen to this outrageous claim about the upri- her outrageous belief about the uprisings in this country. Cut 17. We are in the midst of an ongoing uprising over centuries of racial neglect and oppression. We can't talk about the protests in Minneapolis or Kenosha or sports teams nationwide without first looking inward. We maintain a system that grinds millions into desperate poverty. We need to fundamentally change the way our society treats its most vulnerable. I wish I saved this for Alan West. Grinds? No, that's the country you left. You're confused. Not the one you're representing. James in Florida. James. 
How's it going? What's on your mind, James? Yes, uh, since the uh, media will not give any hardball questions to Biden you know, during the uh, debates, would it be wise for Trump, when a hardball question is asked him, to throw it back to Biden? Maybe. Uh, see how it goes if he doesn't get any. If, if it becomes obvious, he could turn around and say, listen, since you're not asking me any hard questions, I'm going to ask him one. I could see him doing that, but I think that Chris Wiles is going to do a great job. Uh, and that's uh, well said, James. I'm pretty optimistic, and I appreciate you listening. When we come back, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. I'm not only going to talk to him about what's happening in Texas, where the president seems to be back in control but not command there. I'm also going to ask him about what's going on with this Atlantic article and if the president's ever expressed to him that people who serve in the military are suckers. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. To paraphrase Tim Russert, Texas, Texas, Texas. You know, this state more than any other holds the key to defeating Trump. If on election night or whenever the votes are finally tallied, Texas comes in for the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, this country will have to accept that the Trump era is over, as is Trumpism. And we will have the ability with congressional majorities, a new Democratic majority in the state legislature in Texas, to enact a very ambitious agenda for this country. So this is totally possible and completely up to us. And that and that agenda will be great. Getting rid of oil and gas, taking down walls and taking away your guns. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Well, President Trump has just erased Joe Biden's five point lead in Texas. According to the latest poll, uh, he now has a two point advantage, according to the Dallas Morning News and the and the University of Texas at Tyler. You know, it's still very close, but it shows a big reversal, uh, doesn't it? Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Uh, knows a lot about this. He's a senior fellow at the Media Research Center, but most importantly, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Colonel, what do you think about Beto O'Rourke's statement? Well, uh, for for some odd reason, I don't know what he has been smoking, what he has been drinking, but there is no way that the people in Texas are going to allow their oil and gas industry to be destroyed, which means that the 10th largest economy in the world will be destroyed, which means that the United States of America will no longer be energy independent and a net exporter of it. Versus the largest exporter of liquefied natural gas in the world is Port Arthur, Texas. Uh, and furthermore, I don't think that you see so many Texans going out and purchasing firearms and uh, women taking concealed carry license classes so that they can then turn over their firearms to Robert Francis O'Rourke or Joe Biden. So it's a very delusional statement. Uh, I think that they want to continue to try to live in that uh, bit of a la-la land. Uh, what he saw happen in 2018 with his race will not be repeated, and I will make sure of that. But you do know, and I think we, we talked about this, it's harder for a Republican to win Texas, and uh, even though the president's got things trending his way, uh, because the hope was, according to Governor Perry, that when, when people left California and New York and went to Texas, they would leave their liberal beliefs behind, but, but they're not. How do you convince them to do that? 
Well, that's one of the key things, and I will tell you that what is working best for us in, in that case is the the mob. You know, what our theme is here in the, in the Republican Party of Texas, either you stand for the rule of law or you surrender to the rule of the mob. And you, you look at a place like Austin, Texas, which is probably the most bluest uh, of blue in the state of Texas, and you have a city council there that it has two avowed socialists as members of it, and they just voted to defund their police by 150 million dollars. Not just Republicans are upset about that. You have independents, you have Democrats that are upset about that because now you talk about their life and their livelihoods. And as well, you go downtown Austin, all of the uh, establishments that are boarded up is no longer the live music capital of the world. The homeless situation is abhorrent because uh, once again, the mayor and the city council allowed for you know homeless to establish tents. But what's even more despicable is the Austin Independent School District that voted for a sex education curriculum for third through eighth graders is pornographic in nature. So this progressive socialist left uh, swing is really starting to backfire against them, even you know, especially here in Texas. And I think we'll be able to do quite well uh, because they don't want to see Texas end up looking like California. All right. I want you to hear the other big controversy, another area of expertise, the military. Uh, first off, when you think, do you think the president uh, going into this Atlantic story was liked by the military because in a recent military poll, Joe Biden actually outpolled him. I don't understand why anybody in the military would want to go back to the days when we saw uh, our sailors on their knees at gunpoint on their riverine assault craft due to the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guards Navy when we were uh, under rules of engagement that restricted us to be able to take the fight to the enemy. So I don't know. That was Joe Biden. That was his policies. I don't think we want to go back to having an administration that uh, allowed a deserter to be to go free like uh, Bo Bergdahl. So, I, I, you know, the military.com uh, poll, yes, I understand that. But I still have friends in the military. They don't want to see Joe Biden as a president. So I want you to hear Jeffrey Goldberg speaking out to back up his anonymous source story about what happened uh, in France two years ago. Cut 18. I, I felt confident publishing it because I have multiple sources with firsthand knowledge of the president's views and comments. Uh, that's the only reason to publish anything. Um, and I felt mm. it was important to publish because... In my experience, in our collective experience, I don't think we've had a president who uh, has contempt for uh, American soldiers, wounded veterans, people who've been killed in action. And so it is, it's incredibly novel. So we felt it was his duty to report on this. Well, first and foremost, I mean, we just saw John Bolton come out last night. He refuted it. We haven't heard anything from the former White House chief of staff. I'd like to know who these, uh, you know, firsthand sources are that were so close to the president they would be able to say uh, this, th these things definitively. And if they are so confident about it, these people should come forward and not be these unnamed sources. So I think that, once again, you have seen a, a very lackluster hit piece on the president that is going to end up working at his benefit. And and to his failure, I mean, to his uh, support, because it just seems that the left is grasping at whatever straw they can come up with. So Zach Fuentes, who worked for General Kelly, everyone th assumed it was General Kelly because General Kelly ended up going to the cemetery, even though there was bad weather. They couldn't take a chopper. They decided not to go. Zach Fuentes came out and kind of surprised people by saying uh, that he never heard the president say that. And he was with John Kelly at the time. 
Um, he, you know, they claim that the president said World War One was filled with that cemetery was filled with losers and suckers. So I've never heard any type of you can't say something more horrific, to be honest. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And and so that's why I, I don't understand why would anyone think the person that's responsible for rebuilding our military, for unleashing our military against people such as al-Baghdadi and ISIS and taking out uh, General Soleimani, no other no other administration had done that or, or sought to stood up, uh, sought to stand up against those threats. So why would all of a sudden we believe that, you know, this is a president that despises our military? That doesn't make sense. So uh, here's the quote. Honestly, do you think General Kelly would have stood by and let anyone call fallen Marines losers? Um, so obviously he stood by. The president did a preemptive attack on him, which is not uh, is is never necessary. But the president also did attack his generals, says they essentially want war. Um, and a lot of them don't like him. Do we have uh, do we have that? We have that cut, right? Eric. Do we have the cut on General uh, on President Trump making those comments? Here it is. Here is cut twenty-two. I'm not saying the military is in love with me. The soldiers are. The top people in the Pentagon probably aren't because they want to do nothing but fight wars, so that all of those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else stay happy. Well, General Milley and Secretary of Defense uh, Esper might be insulted by that. Would you understand if you were in the Pentagon? Would that tick you off? Yeah, it would upset me a little bit. Uh, you know, everyone talks about even, you know, President Eisenhower talked about the uh, the military industrial complex and how we had to be very concerned about it. But no person that has ever worn a uniform seeks to go to war. What we do want to do is what President Ronald Reagan talked about was peace through strength. We want to be a credible deterrent. We want to be able to uh, have that force that is a force for good. But when called upon, uh, we want to quickly uh, vanquish the enemy from whatever battlefield we're called to take. So that's, you know, four generations in my family are all combat veterans going back to my dad in World War II, to my nephew who is currently, you know, serving in uniform. And we have, we have all fought for this country, but we never desired to do so. But when we were called upon, we answered that call. Um, here is here is John Bolton, as you talked about earlier last night with Martha. Cut twenty four. According to what that article said, uh, the president made uh, disparaging remarks about our soldiers, the people buried at the Anmarn Cemetery. Uh, in connection with the decision for him not to go to the ceremony that was planned that afternoon. And and that's that was simply false. The main issue was whether or not weather conditions permitted the president to go out to the Anmarn Cemetery. Sort of took the facts as they, as they were. It's a very straight weather call. John Bolton hasn't said anything about nice about the president in about a year. So that's significant. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be another... Uh, Another shoe to drop because I keep going back to that article that they said that General McChrystal's group advised a super PAC on how they took down terrorists by taking their greatest asset and making it through communications their greatest liability. Now, what's the president's greatest asset? Law and order. How are they taking them on mm-hmm. law and order? You're responsible. This is Trump's America. How they take them on in the military? Listen to the horrible things they said. So now some of his strengths he has to defend. Do you see some similarities here? Because I did speak to uh, some people there, and they said that didn't happen, but the reporting in the Boston Globe and the New York Post said it did. 
Well, it's what we call in the military, you always go for uh, an enemy, an opposition center of gravity. And so when you look at the center of gravity, the stability and the peace and the uh, economic uh, strength that we had uh, with this Trump administration coming into 2020, you look at the strength of, of our military and how he has done so much to protect our military. And so what do you see people uh, coming at the president about now? They're trying to blame him for the mob violence on the street, which we know the Democrats created that. They have embraced it. They try to dismiss it, but they own it. You look at the exact same thing with the economy, how they want to continue to try to talk down the economy and uh, not allow it to, to grow. And as Joe Biden said, we want to keep the country pretty much so shut down and force everyone to wear a mask. And then, of course, now you see what they're doing with the military, trying to undermine that support as well. So you're right. This is a very strategic uh, attack against the president and his centers of gravity, his centers of strength. But I think that the president is going to way through it pretty well because the American people don't trust the left and the American people know exactly what the left is seeking to do. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Colonel. Best of luck as uh, the Republicans look like to keep te- try to keep Texas red. Thanks so much. Hold, hold Texas, baby. All right. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Colonel Allen West. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I described Mr. Trump as a cult leader, and I was in this cult, and I... Well, while I was in the cult, I was really refusing to acknowledge that the actions that I was performing for my boss were morally wrong. Uh, that is Michael Cohen. Uh, Michael Cohen has a book out. I want one of these books to bomb so they stop. There are so many hit books on President Trump, Mary Trump now, taping her uh, her aunt talking about the president. You have the Woodward book coming out. You have all the other books this summer. Uh, that are taking place. People look at the cash in. Now, Michael Cohen, interesting, he has all these things to say. He was part of it. He implemented a lot of it. And it's his word against the president. Does anyone believe Michael Cohen? That's his impression, a cult leader. I'm just wondering what other proof he has when he didn't tell it to Congress. Even after he admitted he lied to Congress, he didn't, when he came back again, was their first witness after they won the House, he bombed again and said nothing that made much sense or much news. Is president making a mistake, I think, tweeting after him, going after him today? I would just let that book die on the vine, let it have its week, and just let it go. Uh, Jeff is listening in Arkansas. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I know I live in a red state and everything, but uh, I I haven't met anybody in in the public, or, you know, I mean, um, at all, really voting for Biden. And even the ones that really don't like Trump wouldn't pick Biden over Trump in this election. So I, I really feel like the Democrats are inflating their position on the polls. You know, we'll see. I thought after last time, very few people would look at him again, but I find myself looking at him again. It does show trends. You know, for the longest time when uh, when when the pandemic hit, uh, Trump was was failing and his he was floundering. And when Joe Biden emerged, he immediately had a 10 point lead. And I wanted to see how it closed. I didn't necessarily believe the 10 point lead, but I wanted to see where it was trending, depending on what issues were happening. And clearly from the camp, 
since the convention, the president's got new life. He's got to go for the knockout, though, on the debates. Mark, WHIO. Hey, Mark. Good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, as a Vietnam veteran, uh, Thursday I felt like somebody punched me in the nose. And when my eyes cleared, I engaged my mind. And I thought, hell no, this ain't going to happen. So tell the president, we're behind him 100%, period. I hear you. I've never heard anybody express those views about soldiers in any country at any time, especially one that's done what he's done for the VA, that he's done for the military. Changing the rules of engagement, I think, is key. Not getting them involved in contests that they can't win, but supporting him when he has to, at the same time doing more to get our soldiers out of harm's way and taking a lot of them out of prison. Scott listening in Michigan. Scott. Yeah, how you doing, bud? What's on your mind, Scott? Hey, well, I, first of all, I want to touch base with you. Uh, you know, having people call and talk about the amount of Trump signs that they're seeing. Um, I'm a trucker, so, you know, I'm in Wisconsin a lot. Uh, Missouri's another big one. I mean, you can't go five miles down any of these states without seeing Trump signs. You don't see anything for Biden. Yeah, it's interesting. And he doesn't knock on doors either. He says it's not healthy in this environment. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they're they're doing the same thing that they tried to do with Hillary. They're trying to do a fear-based campaign. It didn't work for her. And I don't see it working for Biden. You know what's interesting is that with Hillary, at least you knew what you were running against. Biden has flipped on all these issues. He flips on his own record. He, fl- he He's flipped since his debates, and then he's flipped again. He's law and order. He's now tough on China. Now he wants to bring manufacturing back. Really? Where did that come from? Mr. TPP? Mr. Put out your hand to China? And no one ever heard him say anything positive about fossil fuels. In fact, three four months ago he was putting down fossil fuels. Now he says he's not going to ban fracking. So it's tougher now to run against Biden, not because he's a tougher candidate. It's because he's taking a lot of the president's issues. President's got to really put a draw, you know, you know, put a pin in that and put that to a and put an end to that. Cam, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Cam, hey Brian, um, I wanted to explain why I think that polls were so off last time, and and they're going to be even more off this time. Uh, I call it Trump shaming. If, if somebody is openly for the president, they are publicly mocked and ridiculed. It is The media has made it so unpopular to support the president that you have so many people in hiding, and they're not telling the truth in these polls. So not only are they uh, underrepresenting Republicans, people just don't want to tell the truth. Yeah, I would not bother. Plus, how are you getting hold of people? Are you using their cell phone? Are you using their, their, their hardline phone? The percentage of Republicans and Democrats are used in that. And the other thing is, now I want to see registered voters. No more likely voters. Registered voters means you intend on voting. Uh, others that are too lazy to do it, I don't think you should be included. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKilme.com. Get Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. Hudson Book still has it ranked. Keep it up there. 
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York City, heard around the country, around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll do a simulcast with Stuart Vardy. You'll get to see what I look like on FBN, because if you're not watching Fox Nation, you can get us all the time if you're lucky enough and smart enough to get that great app. And Jake Steinfeld at the bottom of the hour, uh, I want to get his take on this whole push against capitalism today. This next generation of Americans is protesting because they don't get enough free stuff. Life isn't fair. Society isn't fair. Capitalism isn't fair. And that's what they're learning in school. That's what we, the mayor of New York say. It's time for us, to, for the rich to start sharing their wealth. And moving out, we'll get new rich people. Well, how does, how does Jake feel when he dropped out of school, went to become a bodybuilder, started personal training, and then started his own network, sold that for a billion dollars, and then has, uh, bought his own lacrosse league and now rolling out his own drink? No one gave him anything, and that might be a very similar to the story that you have that I have a lot of pride in. And guess what? There's people that have pride when you start a business and it doesn't go well. It's that sense of, I have an opportunity. This is a land of opportunity, not guaranteed success. So I want to get his take on that. And, of course, take your calls, one 408 7669 With both candidates out on the road, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When it comes to veterans, he's downright un-American. I've never said that about a president ever, ever, ever. These are heroes. Uh, that is Joe Biden pretending to be angry. Does Donald Trump think those who serve are suckers and losers? That's the debate. We'll look at another attempt to make the president's greatest strength his support of military his greatest weakness. I'll tell you where this Atlantic magazine story that I'm referencing stands today. Number two, there is credible information that outside agitators want to destroy the PSB. Wow. Major protests morphing into riots over the weekend in Portland, in Rochester, New York, in Seattle. Rochester is where that mayor was from you just heard from. Los Angeles and New York. A new study shows that only 7% of the BLM protests end up violent. Really? I have 240 cities experiencing violence, and the ones I just mentioned, it never stopped. Number one. I would not trust Donald Trump. It would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the efficacy and the, and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. Uh, no, he didn't. Just like the Charlottesville myth. 56 days till Election Day 2020 and 21 days until the first debate. All candidates are fanning out and calling each other out on key issues. Sadly, politics are playing a role, even with a vaccine, as Harris once again shows us how irresponsible and ill-prepared she is as a candidate. We'll compare and contrast all aspects of these issues that matter most. In New York, I'll tell you, there was more violence over the weekend uh, there was a lot more violence, and kids are definitely in the in the line of fire. Uh, by the way, 20% of all the New York shootings over the past year ended in arrests. So most of the shooters are still out there. And these protests that took place over the weekend has a lot of celebrities uh, in there. Uh, so they're taking part in it. Out in Portland, 
You have John Malkovich's son arrested. He gets violent. We know about the mayor's daughter taking playing a part of that in the uh, in the mocking and possibly throwing object at, at cops. Rioters over the weekend cost New York City one hundred thousand dollars in damages. Why? Lower Manhattan, banks, chain stores, Starbucks, two of them, Dwayne Reed, all busted up. Can you explain to me what you're trying to accomplish? They said the protests advertised on social media by groups identifying themselves as far left, no kidding, revolutionary abolitionist movement, and the new African Black Panthers Party. Tell me who you're winning over on that. I would love for Al Sharpton to stand up and say that's not what we're about. It's not just New York. You know what's happened in Portland. Uh, Portland, absolutely nuts. A uh, hundred days now, but now they're showing up with Molotov cocktails. They're showing up with huge rocks, uh, rifling, at, uh, uh, rifle, rifling at the cops. It starts off as a protest, and they're doing it for George Floyd, of course, in Portland. Why wouldn't they? That's exactly what he would have wanted, uh, death and destruction and alienation. But it all plays into our first topic, and that is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris now condemning the violence. Do they know that their staffs actually were ponied up money to bail out some of the rioters in these cities? The first one being Minneapolis. I think 13 members of Joe Biden's staff. Has that come up at all? And Harris publicly on Twitter said we all should come combine to help them out. The other issue is the economy. If Joe Biden's going to say the economy, jobs lost, and look at where we're at 8.4% unemployment, he thinks that's great. Listen, Joe Biden. If we came in in 2009 as a country and blamed Barack Obama and you for what was happening to Wall Street, that would have been wrong. Just as wrong as what you're doing. But if the stimulus package didn't help, if all the money they put into the economy, the bailout of the automobiles didn't help, if TARP didn't help, then that's an issue. How quick was your recovery? Find out how quick uh, Trump's recovery is. How was your economy when you left off? Find out what, what Trump's economy did when he took over. Anything in between, there's no one stupid enough to think that the pandemic is the president's fault. And the people that wanted him to shut down the, the economy, forget about the pandemic response, shut down the economy, were mostly on the left. They weren't on the right. So you say you're going to shut it down again. Now you say, I, I, I wouldn't do that again. No, we heard you the first time. You shut it down again. You got a mandate using masks. And then you said yesterday the mask mandates are probably unconstitutional. No kidding. That's why the president put it up to the governors and mayors. I think that's the way you do it if you're not a dictator and understand the Constitution. So some of Joe Biden's hits are unnecessarily inaccurate, but I don't know if it's really going to matter that much. In the big picture, not that people have made up their minds, but they're so way out there. Do I think that Joe Biden is a raging socialist? No. Do I think the people around him are? Yes. Do I think the president has socialists around him? No. Do I think the president's going to make sure the statues stand? Yes. I don't know Joe Biden can stay that too. I don't know that Joe Biden's not going to change the history books. That bothers me. I think it's happening. I don't know if he's going to push back on the 153 separate sites that the Washington, D.C. mayor has earmarked to be taken down or adjusted. That bothers me. I don't know if the Joe Biden is going to see Antifa as a subversive group looking to destroy America. That bothers me. Let's talk about the coronavirus. 
Remember I mentioned that Joe Biden said about the mask mandate? He said he's going to do it. Okay, cut 26. Well, I hope you can trust the governors, but here's the deal. The federal government, there's a constitutional issue whether the federal government could issue such a mandate. I don't think constitutionally they could, so I wouldn't issue a mandate. Hmm. That turns out to be what the president said. And if you want to know why the president's not wearing a mask, think about this. He's got to talk constantly, and no one gets to see him who's not tested. Yes, it's special treatment. It's called being the president. What I found really inexcusable is what's happened with the coronavirus and the vaccine. We all know that the president of the United States is not going to say, I found a vaccine. Here's a cotton ball. Let me put this into your deltoid. We're pretty sure he's not wearing a smock and a beaker and a Bunsen burner trying to figure out some way to stop the virus. I'm pretty sure the CDC and the EPA is running him through the motions and the tests because they've all been public. From Moderna to Johnson & Johnson to all of them, the Oxford group, we're getting closer and closer. So that's why this shows Kamala Harris's statements here, shows how ill-prepared she is for the national stage, which is why she was a failed candidate. Cut 28. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump, and it would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the um, the efficacy and the and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. Okay. So do you realize how, how, how widespread that is? So, the, so her few fans, but the, all the Democrats, will be saying, I'm not going to take it. She told me not to. I can't trust it. They're just going to say, no, I didn't, I'm not going to trust it. Now, some people don't want vaccines anyway. Some people are wary, but take them anyway. Uh, others can't wait to take them. I will take it in two seconds if it passed through the gymnastics it has to go through to get to the market. I'm sure we won't be first. If it's not American, we're not going to be close to first. But if you go out there on the national stage saying, I wouldn't take this, Donald Trump came up with it, knowing he has nothing to do with it except for setting up Operation Turbo Speed, that's it. That's the danger of this. John Barrasso weighed in, a doctor, Republican senator from Wyoming, cut 30. Let me say this about uh, Kamala Harris's comments. This is somebody who has campaigned to take health insurance away from 160 million Americans who get it through work. This is someone who's campaigned to have taxpayers fund health insurance for illegal immigrants. But this statement about the vaccine is her most irresponsible statement of all. Says a lot. He goes on. Cut 31. I'm a doctor. I'm very encouraged by where we are with the vaccine. Uh, This is moving forward at at warp speed. We're in stage three trials. Multiple vaccines look like they're going to work. We're working on plans to get these to the states so that our healthcare workers can get them, the most vulnerable can get them, people with pre-existing conditions. The vaccine is the path forward for all of America. And yet what we see is, and it's not just Kamala Harris, 77-year-old Joe Biden said he wasn't sure if the vaccine was safe or real. When it comes to this vaccine, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are absolutely wrong. Because it's bigger than the president. And don't make it pure politics because you're going to have people stay stay home. So here's the deal. If no one's using the vaccine, why have it? So if I'm vaccinated against to go to work, it's still not gonna, I'm not going to be able to go to work because I'm not vaccinated against it. It's going to continue to spread through the country. And overall, I thought Tom Bevan put it best from Real Clear Politics. This is a mistake. 
not coming out against uh, out against the civil unrest, huge mistake. Uh, not coming out against China, huge mistake. They try to correct both of them. This is another huge mistake. Cut 34. I think that's a dangerous move for, for Kamala Harris, her comments, Joe Biden, to sort of politicize the vaccine. I mean, I think if you're an average American, you know, everybody wants a vaccine as soon as possible so they can return to their normal lives. We'll see. one 866 Here's the problem. The president's extremely tough on China. The 73% of the country thinks that China's our enemy. All of a sudden, Joe Biden's tough on China. But he's not. We know what he said three, four months ago. When it comes to uh, world trade, the president, the vice president, the former vice president was for the TPP. We know that. He was for and made sure that China got in the WTO. He combined with the Republicans to do that. I fully understand they were positive to the TPP. But under this environment, this country is not for these trade deals under their current structure, especially when it means taking manufacturing out of this country. When we don't make our own masks or medicine, we see the dangers of refusing to pay a lot for this stuff and going for profit when it comes to our overall national security and health. Remember, his running mate voted against the USMCA. His running mate is trying to win Wisconsin. Wisconsin and the dairy farmers benefit arguably as much as anybody for the USMCA because of the new uh, relationship with Canada. Next, the people that benefit is car makers in Michigan. She voted against it. And being tough on the unrest is troublesome if... Some of your staff put in their money to bail out the rioters. That's what Kamala Harris asked them to do. That's what Joe Biden's staff did. So you could switch, but you have no credibility. The president, if he goes to school on this, will knock him out in the debates. If he doesn't, if he just wings it, he'll be allowed to get away with this. one 866 I'll come back take your calls. It's going to be a busy hour. I want you part of it. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. To no fault of any American businesses, the president made the very difficult decision to shut down the entire U.S. economy because of this terrible COVID disease. Now, the good news is we've reopened it. So, uh, again, let me just say, people thought we'd have... 30, 40 million people unemployed. We never did that because of the bipartisan support putting money into the economy. We're now down to 8.4%. And the president's going to get it back down to 3 or 4% where it was before all of this uh, in the beginning of next year when he's reelected. Yeah, until we could stand up the economy and get tourism back, uh, until the rest of the world can come visit, it's out of his hands, until we can get people on planes and hotels. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, I think we're going to be hitting our head against the wall. But if you can get 4 or 5%, I think people will take that in a second. Mike, listening in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mike. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. Um, Just even speaking earlier about people, you know, um, sharing the wealth that they've created and and stuff. You know, I mean, in 1973, when I left my parents' house, I mean, I had 90 bucks in my pocket. 
you know, and I've built my own business since then. And, you know, we've turned it into one of the largest equipment trailer companies in the United States. Both my sons work there. My daughter-in-law's work there. We have, you know, almost 30 employees now. And why do I, why would I want to split up what I've, I've done over, you know, 40 years for people who want to sit home on their butt and do nothing? You know, I mean, get up and go out and get a job. I had nothing when I got started. Not a thing. 90 bucks and a motorcycle. Right. Uh, Yeah. You just want the right, the opportunity to be successful or fail. And that people don't want that. They're too scared. If they don't have a net or they don't want to take a risk, they don't want to put their time in to learn a business and then go out on your own. They want to walk in and be vice president. And or if not, don't even try. Put on a black stocking cap and just wreck a CVS. Yep, that or somebody hand me my free stuff so I can stay at home. Yeah. I don't, I How many don't hours did you put there. in to start? How many hours were you oh putting in a week? <laughs> I can't even tell you. And, you know, whatever it took, you know, it didn't matter if it was 40, 60, 80, you know, it didn't matter if it was seven days a week. You know, we did it, you know, for years, we didn't even go on a vacation because, you know, you're building a business and, you know, take a long weekend, but no two week vacations. I hear you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your success. William WMNC South Bend, Indiana. William. Hey, hey, Brian, thanks for taking my call. You know, I was talking to the screener about a couple of different things, but one of the things that really um, kind of I have a question on is, <clears throat> so we're in the debates. How many people, is there statistics, data that shows how many people view those debates and what demographic are they from? Are they the upper middle, middle class? Is it the... The mid uh, lower income. I don't know. I don't know. Um, why, why do you ask? Do you want to find well, out? Because who's going to listen to this stuff? I think that the majority of the people that are going to be watching this have already formed um, their opinion of who they're going to vote for. And even though they bring out a bunch of these things that are that are directly against the demo or yeah against the Democrats. Who's going to be listening to this other than the people that already know this? I'm not sure. If I'm undecided, truly undecided, I'm watching. Um, I think the number is going to be great. I'm more concerned about how many people will vote before the debates. Uh, you know, the debates are, you know, just a couple of weeks away, two, three weeks away. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, we'll find out. We'll break down that audience. It'll be very easy to find out. Uh, we do it every day. When we come back, uh, we're going to build on that business conversation we just had with Jake Steinfeld, the self-made success story out with a brand new drink called Don't Quit. That is his phrase. Go to don'tquit.com. You can get it. Find out how to start your day. But that's just his latest venture. He's done so much more. We got to learn from people like this. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. What changes things is redistribution of wealth. Uh, tax the wealthy at a much higher level. And I just feel like this is a lot of cocktail party comfort going on rather than people honestly dealing with this issue. Help me tax the wealthy. Help me redistribute wealth. Help me build affordable housing in uh, white communities if you want desegregation. That is our idiot mayor in New York City who has nothing but contempt for successful people. He says rich, successful people. He wants to redistribute wealth. He actually comes out and says it. You don't have to hear according to sources. And because of that, 
since he has no use for wealth, but he needs tax dollars. He wants a government handout. How familiar is that to you with people that don't want to work hard in life and don't understand our system of government, which is capitalism, which gives you an opportunity to be successful, but doesn't guarantee anything. It's about opportunity to pursue happiness and success, however you view it. That used to be a given. It's not a given anymore. All we hear about the evils of our system. And now you have a city where business has left and rich people are gone. Here is Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo realizing his tax base is out of the city and there's no commerce. We're trying to get people to come back. I literally talk to people all day long who are now in the Hamptons house, who also lived here, or in their Hudson Valley house, or in their Connecticut weekend house. And I say, you got to come back. When are you coming back? We'll go to dinner. I'll buy you a drink. Come over. I'll cook. They're not coming back right now. So that's Governor Cuomo. At least he gets the math. Jake Steinfeld's with us right now, CEO of the Fitness Series Body by Jake, as you know. He's got a brand new drink out, which is fantastic. I have it every day because I have to have this meal replacement thing that keeps me going today. Seven, uh, seven hours. I'm doing outnumbered after this. And there's just, I have six minutes to do radio, and I'm able to grab this uh, drink. His latest, his latest venture, which is not guaranteed to be successful, he hopes and he plans to be successful, but it's not guaranteed, is called Don't Quit. So, Jake, I thought when I'm listening to these clips, I thought about you right away because nobody guaranteed your success. You didn't know somebody in the fitness industry that even made that even cleared the brush for you to find the path to success. But it doesn't seem like people even want to walk down that path, whether it's cleared or not. Jake Steinfeld, welcome back. Brian, it's great to it's great to be here, man. And you say things so eloquently. It's terrific. We live in the greatest country in the world, brother. I mean, the greatest country in the world. The the coolest thing in the world is to be able to get up in the morning and to dream. And to have a dream of whatever success it is you want to in your life and achieve that. And you're right. I mean, you know, uh, I was an overweight kid with a bad stutter uh, from Brooklyn, New York, and then Baldwin, Long Island, and had a dream to go to California. Where else could I have done what I've done other than in this country? You know, I was the first guy to do personal fitness training and made it an occupation and parlayed that famous by association into all amazing things that not a chance anywhere else on the planet I could have done it. And one of your buddies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, a more high profile success, same thing. He, you know, he could have stayed. He got an opportunity for guaranteed success in uh, in his native country of Austria. He comes over here also body uh, bodybuilding, but still bad accent, didn't know anybody. He ends up finding a way to make it in Hollywood in business, and he keeps saying over and over again, this is an opportunity, this land of opportunity. It's opportunity. It is, it is Brian. It, this is the land of opportunity, and, and I think, like anything, look, you have children. I have kids. A lot of Most of your listeners have kids. You want to be able to instill that belief in them that they can achieve Anything they want, as 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 a and 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 but nobody wants a handout. A hand it it makes it too easy. It's like when you're able to get your first car, right? And and you worked really hard for it, and you and you shined it up every day. Or oh, your first pair. I'll never forget my first pair of leather Converse or my first pair. Yeah. You know, right? You know, my first pair of Adidas, and it was like I shined them up every day. I I had a paper route, you know. That's the beautiful thing about this country, man. We cannot 
stifle it. We can't stymie it. We And people want to work hard. And that's the coolest thing. And when you're working hard, obviously, you have to be healthy. And that's what we're talking about. You mentioned about don't quit. And I appreciate everything that you're doing. A lot of your listeners are, are now a part of our Don't Quit family. You can go to don'tquit.com and check out our brand-new Daily Complete Nutrition Shakes. Uh, four great flavors, you know. But listen, the fun thing is to be able to pitch this. I couldn't pitch a brand-new nutrition drink or a shake. Yeah. In any other country, you know, I mean, in any other place in the world other than here, in a way that's so crisp and clean and right to the point, especially when, you know, we're able to do what we want to do, at least at this moment. So a couple of things. Like people are like, well, once you get rich, you keep moving forward, and there's other people they don't even know the backdraft. They don't have the parents, in your case, your grandparents especially, grandmother especially, to inspire you. What if you don't have that? I always held to the belief and it's not as sexy and it's not as high profile. But if you want to help level the playing field for all races and ethnic backgrounds, mentor people, show them the success that you have had and let them find their own. There's not enough role models in a lot of these inner city situations to and help Brian, them level the this, playing man. field. Listen, and, and you bring up a great point, And I know you, you, where you're going. Right. I've been putting fitness centers in elementary and middle schools around this great country of ours, thanks to companies like Coca-Cola, Anthem, Nike, Wheels Up, right, uh, where public-private partnerships really work. And when you're able to do that, it's amazing to see when you give the schools the tools or communities the tools, it's amazing to see what happens. It's, it's like, I mean, it's like little seeds, man. You water the seed and beautiful flowers come up. Everybody has the opportunity to succeed. Right. Once again, that's what makes this country so great. You just put in uh, what number? You hit a milestone. Well, we've done this is our 36th state um, where we'll talk about this at another time, but we, we, we just finished our virtual ribbon cutting tour in Alabama with Kay Ivey, uh, Eric Holcomb in Indiana, uh, Andy Bashir in Kentucky, and Kevin Stitt in the great state of Oklahoma. Um, and uh, over 120 brand new $100,000 fitness centers that we've done. Fantastic. So talk about connection. So you're able to get this connection. You launched this drink and you'd said, well, I got to do it. It's a crowded industry. How do I do it different and better? Because you did this thing called, you experienced it practically. You picked up a nutritional drink and you say, and it was for somebody you knew that was in a hospital. The thing was, right. And you said, this is well, terrible. Here's, 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 here's what, really what happened. You, you know, the, the, the category is adult nutrition, Right. And uh, there are these products that are out there right now that are chemical-based. They taste crummy, and they're pushed on you. And, you know, we hear a lot of things about things being pushed on you at certain points. And it's like I decided let's make a difference. Let's create a clean label. So no soy, no wheat, no right. corn, no artificial flavors or sweeteners, gluten-free, kosher. Oh, by the way, and it's got to taste delicious for crying out loud. It doesn't need to be good for you and tastes bad. That's what we did with Don't Quit. We partnered with the great folks at Keurig Dr. Pepper, awesome, backing us. And uh, and, and if you go to don'tquit.com, you can see, Brian, we'll be getting emails and texts from people, a lot of your fans and followers who, you know, listen, I'm 62 years old. Uh, when we were kids growing up, you'd say, hey, how old's your pop? And you go, 62. You think, well, that's kind of old. There's a lot of living left to do, brother. You know, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, it's in, it's in your mind. It's the, the nutrition you put right. in your body every day, 
and that's what great is convenient. And you said you're using it as a meal supplement or a replacement. We're getting great recipes. A gal just sent us one for vanilla don't quit pancakes. I mean, it, you can't believe the fact that you walk around, open up your fridge in the morning, and see the two words don't quit. You tell me right. what you're going to do that day. And Jake, so you looked at the thing that you've done along the way. You go out to California from Long Island and you want to be a bodybuilder, you're not going to take any illegal drugs, so you go to natural competitions, hard to make a living off that. You do the bouncer thing, acting thing along the way. Make your own connections by being a good person, and they become your friends, and those friends help other things. And you go, instead of picking up a drink and saying, I wonder how to do this, you talk to people that do it because you've met them, you've shown what kind of quality person you are, you make connections. Then you help other people connect. Now, you look at this in the big picture, you look behind you and go, wow, look how many connections. If you're a good person, approach things hard, work hard, you're not guaranteed to sell a TV network for a billion dollars. You're not guaranteed to be successful in the movies. You're not guaranteed to be a successful personal trainer. You're not guaranteed for uh, the MLL to work. But in the end, you will, you enjoy the opportunity to compete. It's a way to That's compete. Right. To that Michael, to Michael Jordan can't win every game, but he wants to. That's, and, and here's the thing. In life, the greatest thing in the world is getting up in the morning and taking a shot. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, to be able to get up in the to create something, to try something, to do something. The last thing you want to have happen in your life is when you're 40 or 50 or 60 looking in that mirror and saying to yourself, you know what? I had a shot at 20. I had this idea at 30. I mean, look at what you've done, Brian. I mean, we, we go back 20-some-odd years together, and I was one of the earlier guests on Fox and Friends, I know. man, in that little studio in New York with you and Steve and me and the gang. And, so, you know, I used to love doing the weather sometimes. But Jake, it, it, I, unfortunately, you understand television, too. I'm up against a break because I got to do Stuart's morning show. But guys, do what I say. Hey, and go to don'tquit.com and check out our new nutrition shake. Gotcha. They're awesome: chocolate, vanilla, chai tea, and orangeicle. Magnificent. <laughs> and Jake's bright. always working, always selling, always competing. Jake Stifo, great message. Thanks so much. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, in a matter of moments, uh, Ashley Webster is in for Stuart. You've got to come on, we'll do a simulcast. You can always watch us on Fox Nation, but now you get to see us on FBN. So if you're watching, you can see a little bit of the radio setup. Should I wear my jacket or not, Allison? All right, let's listen in. And you know what that means. Brian Kilmeade is with us, host of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian works 21 hours a day, and for the other three hours, I don't know what he does, but uh, my God, he works hard. Uh, Brian, look at this. By the way, that's exactly as you wrote it to me. Um, we have seen now over 100 days of protests in Portland. It's been another weekend of violent protests uh, in Seattle. Mm -hmm. The Michigan GOP headquarters building was vandalized with anti-police statements. I, I want to know, and it becomes increasingly uh, frustrating, when does this end? When the cops are empowered to stop it. 
when a mayor who will go and, and go and use the resources of the federal government to help stop it. When we start convincing these Antifa, these people, law enforcement officials, to not let the Antifa individuals go, sit there, lock them up, and interrogate them almost like you would al-Qaeda, because they are undermining our country the same way this Islamic extremists were doing it. We were dead serious about that. We're not dead serious about this. And now we have Seattle 100 days, Portland 100 days, and we have Rochester, New York now, with outlandish out-of-towners coming in, creating chaos. You know, it's it's weak mayors and weak governors. Do you think voters, any voters that are towards the left, will wake up and say, you know what, it's not a coincidence that all of this is happening in cities run by weak politicians who pander to the left? I don't think there's any question. The same people that say Donald, it's Donald Trump's America are the same ones who said that he's a dictator. Mm. Really? He's a dictator? He's the one who gave governors the mm. power to test, gave governors the power to know their, who know their state the best in order to find out how the best to treat the pandemic. And now he's saying, I'm staying within the Constitution, backing governors and mayors, doing it the right way. And now you're saying it's Trump's America? There's no question, Ashley, and here's the answer to your question, why I know it's hurting mm. Democrats. Because uh, 10 days early before he was supposed to come out, with a much more vigorous schedule, Joe Biden is competing and he's talking about the violence in the cities and talking about protesters and rioters. Being pushed to do it, but still doing it. The other disturbing thing, and I see more and more videos of this on social media, Brian, is these groups, these mobs, uh, verbally and in some cases physically accosting people who are doing nothing but sitting outside a restaurant, having something to eat uh, and, and drink, and they get absolutely pilloried by these groups. Um, I find it very disturbing and an escalation that could really, really get out of hand. Think about this. It's in battleground state of Pittsburgh, battleground state of Wisconsin. It's happening over mm. in Rochester, this in particular. I guess not a battleground state, but I wonder who's left in New York to vote for Joe Biden anyway. As you know, Ashley, it's a ghost town here. But here, here's the thing. Yeah. You see that video. If you're in that area, you see that video, roll on it. Because it's clear who the bad guy, and, the, and, the, and by the way, a lot of them are women, are. People eating are not a threat. People eating are not a problem. And you know what else I think about? Even because maybe it's because we're on the business channel. I think about what these restaurant owners have to go through, whether it's a diner or a four-star place. They have to go through trying to live in this environment, go by code in the in the COVID era. Maybe they're allowed to go indoors, but only 25 percent. And now they got to get security for the perimeter of their building to protect these people who just want to have lunch. They are not winning people over to their cause by harassing. That's, that's not what this is about. We are 100% missing the message, which is finding a way to level the playing field for all races and give them the most opportunity to be success stories on your channel and your show. Right. Amen. As always, succinctly put, Brian Kilmeade. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the Business Channel. Much appreciated. Go get him, Ashley. Thanks uh, for the invite. President Trump. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Let's go out to, uh, let's go out to Tom. What's on WABC? Hey, Tom. Hi. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I'm uh, talking about the. I'd like to talk about the uh, race out in California for the 12th congressional for uh, Nancy Pelosi's seat. There's a lot of talk about Pelosi, but nothing about the race. She does have an opponent. She's up for re-election this year. 
I think she's uniquely vulnerable. And the funny thing is that I haven't seen any attention in the in the major media paid to her opponent uh, since back in February when he appeared on uh, Laura Ingram's show and Trish Regan's show, uh, right around the time that he was uh, right. uh, threatened and, and menaced by a uh, by an Antifa guy when they were trying to clean up hey, uh, the neighborhood. Know, hey, that's interesting, Antifa, huh? I have not seen Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi talk about Antifa. Allison, maybe we'll book a... I don't know anything about this race. I just assumed she was going to walk right through it, but maybe we'll look into that race. Thank you for the heads up. Uh, even though you're in WABC. Joe was listening on WABC in New York City. Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, building on the comments of the uh, business owner that called you earlier uh, with regard to actually this being an opportunity society, not a benefit welfare state. Yes. You know, no, nothing speaks louder uh, to that issue than the issue of immigration. The reason why the Democrats want the borders open is because the people coming into the country right now, there is no economic vetting for the people coming into the country. For the most part, not most of the people that come here want benefits. They want uh, the Medicaid and everything that Gavin Newsom wants to give them in California uh, that hardworking, taxpaying American citizens have worked hard for. They want to get it for free. Joe, and and if you come down on that, you're anti-Hispanic. What you do is set up a certain number of people like we do for refugees. Absolutely. I get it. Let's help people, especially in war-torn areas. But also, there's nothing wrong with setting up a system of needs for our country. We need engineers for making incentivize some of these college students from other countries to become American citizens that have potential to help our country. There's nothing wrong with that. Other countries do that. But when President Trump brings it up, That's not the American spirit. That is 100% wrong. You're right. I agree with you. We'll see if the voters do. Back in a moment. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. Brian Kilmeade Show. Big hour. Call Rover at the bottom of the hour. As good as uh, political mind as there is in the country. Uh, David Harsani will be here in a matter of moments. Outstanding columnist for the New York Post. Senior writer with the National Review. Author of Wrong Side of History. He paints some scenarios that have already been war planned, game planned out with this election and is really alarming. And we have to all know what's at stake here. We know both campaigns are out full bore. Uh, Both uh, Mike Pence is uh, out and about. And you know that the president's going to be in North Carolina and Florida. And he's left before in a matter of moments. He'll probably speak to the press on the way out. That'll be good. Often controversial. Uh, You don't really get any easy questions when... Joe Biden has not really had more than two tough questions since he officially got the, and even unofficially got the nomination. The market's taken a pounding to uh, almost 300 points down. Uh, the NASDAQ is, and a little bit more uh, down is the uh, Dow Jones. So let's keep on top of that. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When it comes to veterans... He's downright un-American. I've never said that about a president ever, ever, ever. These are heroes. Uh, that is Joe Biden. 
pretending to be really angry. Uh, does Donald Trump think those who serve are suckers and losers? That's the debate. We're going to look at another attempt by the president to take down the president at his greatest strength. And one of that is one of those things are his support of the military. Um, they want to make that a weakness. We'll talk about the Atlantic magazine story. Number two, there is credible information that outside agitators want to destroy the PSB. Major protests morphing into riots this weekend in Portland, Rochester, Seattle, Los Angeles, and New York. And a new study shows BLM are mostly peaceful protests. They only 7% end up violent. Really? I have trouble with that. Number one. I would not trust Donald Trump. It would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the efficacy and the and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. Uh, Kamala Harris, 56 days to Election Day to 2020 and 21 days into the first debate. All candidates are fanning out and calling each other out on key issues. Sadly, politics playing a role, even with the vaccine, as Harris once again shows you how irresponsible and ill-prepared she is as a candidate, actually putting down the process, the same one she would get if she was vice president, that would produce a vaccine. As if the president's going to put a cotton swab on your deltoid and inject you. Totally irresponsible. It's something that Joe Biden didn't do, by the way. So let's welcome in David Harsani, a New York Post columnist, wrote a great column this week about the dangers of Election Day. David, welcome. Thanks for having me. David, first off, we heard about this. Uh, they they game-planned these scenarios, the Democratic Party did, to see what happened if Donald Trump won or if he got close to winning or barely lost the, the scenarios are all dangerous unless, of course, it's a Joe Biden landslide. Tell us what's going on. Well, so, you know, campaigns and, and activist groups and big Democratic groups, and I think Republicans do similar things as well, play out what would happen in different scenarios in the election, you know, where to send lawyers, things like that. And in the Democratic one, they um, any any scenario other than Biden winning in a huge landslide uh, you know, was problematic for them, you know, even, and this is, I think, the worst part of it, if if Trump wins the Electoral College but loses the popular vote, and I just want to quickly say there is no such thing as a popular vote, can't be won or lost, people don't run for it. Um, so in essence, they're saying that they would oppose a win that was won as any other president has won it in, in history, right? Just the, the way the Constitution prescribes the, the process. And they're trying to let, uh, they're trying to get the uh, the field ready for this because they keep saying that you know what if the president refuses to leave the Oval Office will the military take him out? I'm watching all these people say this. I mean, I never heard this before. Now I hear it all the time. Right. So I mean, you know, they've spent four years delegitimizing the election of Donald Trump and pretending he didn't win the presidency. You know, 68 or 67 percent of Democratic voters last poll I saw believed that the Russians actually altered votes. This is a conspiracy theory that they've convinced many people of. So for them to worry about, you know, what if Donald Trump doesn't accept it? Well, we're not there yet. He hasn't, he, you know, he, I, I assume he will accept it. They're the ones who haven't accepted it so far. David, what really worries me is I don't believe there's an ounce of sincerity in the Democrats' push to get their go- governors in states that are Democratic governors to get ballots to people because of the, they're afraid voters are going to fear the pandemic and not vote. Everybody knows there's a way to do this the right way. Why are they pretending as if you protest, you don't like minorities or you don't like the postal system or you're afraid the other guy's going to win? 
Well, I mean, I think that a lot of a lot of campaigning is scaremongering, and, and the, the scaremongering over, over supposed voter suppression or the post office or stuff like that is meant to to get people to go out and, and vote. They know Democrats know that the, there's no big conspiracy theory by the post office. They know that anyone who really wants to vote has to go do it. It just it's really annoying that you know they talk about the vote as being so sacred and this and that, but then they just want to let anyone do it in any way they please. If I don't like pick someone up from their house and take them down to the polling booth, and I'm, I'm suppressing votes. It's it's insane. Anyone who wants to vote can vote, and they know it. So a couple of things. Uh, there were some scenarios where California, Oregon, Washington threatened to secede the union if Trump takes office, at which time Joe Biden would be named their president. I mean, is this 1860? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very skeptical that that would actually come to fruition or happen. I think it's more likely that uh, the election is close or that Trump wins the um, you know electoral college the way he's supposed to but loses the popular vote. They will just continually sue in many places to either try to overturn the election or more likely delegitimize his presidency going four years forward. I think that that is much more likely than seeing Oregon secede from the union. What about the fact that we've watched Nancy Pelosi say, you know, we're going to decide on election day to decide what policies we're using? Hillary Clinton has basically told Joe Biden, whatever you do, do not concede the election. Right. She's always intimating or insinuating and sometimes even saying that somehow she actually won because she had more overall votes. That's not how it works. So I don't know why she I mean, I know why she's doing it. She wants she doesn't want to accept that she lost the election, which she did. So, you know, there's not yet been a case anywhere that anyone's shown me that someone's vote wasn't counted in 2016 or someone someone's vote was altered. Doesn't happen. She lost the election. But obviously, they don't want Trump to govern when he's president, so they're trying to delegitimize the process. It's very dangerous because there are long-term consequences to that that go well beyond Trump or this election. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, David, as this thing plays out, it's scaring Democrats and reminding a lot of people of what happened with Hillary Clinton. He has no chance. There's too much controversy. Republicans aren't behind him. The party's not united. They're going to wait for the Trump this, this Trump blip to end. And he just closes the gap, closes the gap. We see that flotilla in New Jersey, uh, yet another one in Florida. Uh, we see things starting to balance out. And we see Joe Biden start to come out and actually campaign. What do you think's going on behind the scenes? I, I think the election's closer than the polls. Obviously, that's no big uh, thing to say. But um, when you take a deep dive into the battleground states and you look at the numbers, Biden is running behind where Hillary was at the same time in many states. Now, obviously, every election is different, and you don't have third parties here, and maybe Biden's support's a little stronger. But I'm skeptical that he's he, the, just, as you mentioned, looking at the way he's acting and seeing some of the other polls and seeing some of the other, uh, you know, just how people are acting in campaigning, that he's really that far ahead. Like, for instance, I think in Miami there was a poll just now showing that um, Latino voters were like 50-50, you know, had a, had a good opinion of Trump. That just doesn't, for me, mesh well or sync up with, the, with, with polls that show him behind, what, what was it, like five in Florida. I just don't really buy that. Look at the avalanche. Look at the forces against him. I mean, Michael Cohen comes out with a book, says he's basically a cult leader. You have the Mary Trump book. He's a horrible person, and we have to do everything to stop him. Tapes his sister talking badly about him. And now you have uh, Bob Woodward with a book just around the corner and Jeffrey Goldberg with a column that could have been written two years ago, but waited to do it now for The Atlantic, where he alleges that the president was overheard calling those who serve and died uh, suckers and losers. Here's Jeffrey Goldberg, cut 18. 
I, I felt confident publishing it because I have multiple sources with firsthand knowledge of the president's views and comments. Uh, that's the only reason to publish anything. Um, and I felt mm -hmm. it was important to publish because in my experience, in our collective experience, I don't think we've had a president who uh, has contempt for uh, American soldiers, wounded veterans, people who've been killed in action. And so it is, it's incredibly novel. I'll cite Jennifer Griffin says some of that story has been verified. We had 17 people, including General Kelly's aide, Zach Fuente, said it's not true. And John Bolton, the newest Trump hater, said he was there. It didn't happen. So having said that, these are some pretty big forces. And Jeffrey Goldberg says he's coming back with more. I'm sure he will, but uh, I mean that's just shoddy journalism. Just whether you like Trump or not, it's just uh, you know when I was a journalist, even a local local story, I wouldn't have been able to go forward without having someone on the record or more corroborative, uh, you know, <clears throat> reporting done. So that's first of all. But I think what you mentioned about the forces against Trump is true as well. Think about how the election looks like. So I mentioned he's running. Um, uh, Biden's running ahead, behind Hillary in many states, but imagine if you don't have coronavirus, if you don't have the economic downturn. I think if those things, if coronavirus dissipates someone, if the economy starts coming back, obviously the market's down today, but it's, you know, it's crazy every day in the market. But if it starts coming back, I think you're going to see people reassess. You know, they won't be thinking just about yesterday. They'll be thinking more about the four years and how the economy was pretty good before. So I think that will tighten the race as well. And lastly, David, is I'm just amazed how many issues that Trump's had success in that make up the foundation of his candidacy and his presidency that Joe Biden's taken. Now he wants to be made in America. We had to build it in America. We're against these trade deals. It's got to be tougher on China. Uh, this violence is just seen riots and protests. Really? It sounds like Donald Trump said everything the week before Joe Biden says it. Could this be effective? Well, I think I think the election is a referendum on Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. It's, it can't be about Joe Biden because at the heart of Joe Biden's campaign and the heart of his candidacy is a huge problem. He's been around for 47 years, I think, and he's changed his mind on every single thing that he's done. So if, you're, if your argument's experience, but yet you never do anything that's right and you're always sort of chasing, chasing Obama, chasing Trump, chasing the sort of nationalistic rhetoric, then we can't really trust you. So I think – more than anything, this is about Trump and whether people trust him going forward or not. But it, I, I don't know if it'll work or not, but uh, it was close last time, so I think it'll be close again. Yeah, it's two issues. One is elusive. Joe Biden, how he thinks he govern as opposed to what he says he's going to govern. You can't stay near Bernie Sanders. You can't say the squatter of my advisors. You can't say Kamala Harris, the way she ran her candidacy, is my number two and say I'm a moderate. Can you? <laughs> you could say it. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I was just thinking about this. You know, the other day they had this ridiculous press conference where, where people were throwing softballs at him. They never asked him not about what he said 10 years ago or what he said during the primaries. I mean, he's taken far left. He's left of Obama on almost every position that you can imagine, abortion or tra whatever it is. He's left of Obama. So I'm not I don't understand how he could be a moderate, maybe next to Bernie, but not in the American sense of moderation. All right. He's David Arsani. He's a must-read in the New York Post, a senior writer for the National Review. Thanks, David. Thank you. Appreciate it. one 408 We're going to come back and take your calls. The bottom of the arrow, welcome in Carl Rove. And keep in mind, I'm going to be outnumbered on, uh, at 12 o'clock back on Fox News Channel. So if you don't have enough of me yet, the best may be yet to come. Uh, but first, your calls next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back. I'm just watching some of this video in the break of the violence these Black Lives Matters protesters, I mean rioters, are doing in Seattle, Portland, and I'm watching Rochester now. These people from out of town, you're wrecking restaurants, and you expect to, wow, you know, the more I think of it, uh, I'm going to go support Black Lives Matter. Let me give some more money to them. Not only are you upset because they're carrying BLM flags with them, when you see a basketball game and BLM is in the is on the court, and when you see some of that paraphernalia in the NFL, how do you think now? I'm going to think about the restaurant, and I'm going to think about what's happening in Portland, and I'm going to think about the Corona bottles that are Molotov cocktails with the Black Lives Matter people's shirts on. Is that what you're trying to sell? I don't really think that that was really uh, Martin Luther King's vision. Chris is in Vermont. Hey, Chris. Hi, Brian. Uh, I wanted to take you to task on this whole lionization of capitalism, if I could. If you study history, Brian, what you're going to find out is that anytime societies use capitalism as a source of governance, it has a shelf life, and that shelf life is around 300 years. That's about all the longer it lasts, and America's in year 245, 246, so we're getting very close, which is why you're hearing the ringings of challenging capitalism. And the reason capitalism fails ultimately after about a 300-year run, Brian, is because of the inequity it causes, because of the unfairness, because the people who win keep it artificial so they can stay winning. And the reason, what I'm saying by that is you, you, you and others like you on the right have no problem with the transfer of wealth that happened to the top. And what I mean by that is all of the prophets, Bezos, Zuckerberg, all the, uh, Musk, all these guys, all these people who make huge wealth, park that wealth in offshore accounts. They're allowed to do it because they've lobbied Congress. They pay no federal income taxes, which is why our infrastructure structure is suffering and time and again the working man has to make up the difference all right i can say before you you make great points excellent points and we have to be vigilant to make sure that doesn't happen and it was more it was more the economic history of us at the turn of this previous century than the turn of this century and we have to make sure about that i get it if you're just going to harbor wealth then it's going to be between five or six families that's a huge issue and we got to be wary of it. And part of the reason why I thought the cutting the corporate tax, because money's going to go and these corporations are going to go and going to maximize profit. I'm fine with that. So if you can make it better to build stuff here and you start putting made in America here and people start shopping for that. And then you see the danger of making medicines overseas and not having access to PPE when, it, when it's time for this. You see an opportunity to regulate within the free market system. Ultimately, Chris... The, the way people go back, get high, come back, and reach back is going to make our system work. If it's a bunch of selfish, hoarding people, we have an issue. But they'll be vilified in our society for doing that. There's too much media. There's too much transparencies. But I would say a lot of the guys you pointed out to are first-generation wealth uh, acquirers 
for lack of a better word. They had nobody give them anything, even though they were able to get to an Ivy League school in Zuckerberg's case, and they able to make that and maximize that out. But they hire a ton of people. They give all these people benefits. They raise other multimillionaires. They spread out throughout the society. They get inspired. They open up other companies. But be vigilant at the top. Make sure this is open to most people possible. But this is the best of extremely tough situations. And I think we're 246. I get it. Do you 246? But we get better each and every year. The problem is we're not teaching capitalism in our schools like we should. We're teaching negative behavior. We're teaching the badness of capitalism, the selfishness of capitalism, instead of the benefits of it. No perfect system. But I will take this every time because it's a land of opportunity. Not always fair. But I have news for you. In life, there's nothing fair ever in anything. Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be back with Carl Rove. I know one thing for certain. He will do a great job for us next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The other thing, Ohio law provides that the ballot can be counted up until 10 days after uh, the election, as long as it's postmarked, uh, you know, by the Monday. So, again, we don't want anybody to wait till the Friday before to mail it. But uh, they also have the ability to drop off at the, bo- at the Board of Elections, a drop box at the Board of Elections. So we're not concerned about Ohio. We always have to be vigilant. Uh, you know, our elections in Ohio and across this country are held in a very bipartisan way from the precinct where you have Democrats and Republicans uh, to the county level and and with the secretary of state running the election. So we're we're confident things are going to work out fine. That drives me nuts. Republican governor of Ohio. Well, if it's postmarked prior to Election Day, then you can uh, will count it. It shouldn't. Listen, you have plenty of time. It is first week in September. Order your ballot, get your ballot sent to your house, fill it out and send it in. If you're that irresponsible not to be able to mail the ballot in in the most publicized election in the world at any time in our lifetime, you shouldn't have your vote count. It's going to delay the whole process. We need to be able to count the votes on Election Day, if at all possible. Oregon, we understand you've done it before in Colorado. People have been doing it five or six years. I'm not, I don't want you to change. But I don't want this accepting ballots after Election Day. Do you know the Attorney General of Michigan says we probably won't know who won if it's closed for two weeks? Do you think that's going to be good for this country? That's pretty much what Karl Rove is going to be talking about when we get a hold of him. He writes his column in the Wall Street Journal today. I think it's terrible for the country. Uh, I think it's absolutely awful. The other thing that's awful is how could the president of the United States, who has raised more money, I believe, than anybody else in the history of our country, be almost out of money or have to budget money in the backstretch as Joe Biden has money pouring in? They had a lot of money coming in, and evidently, during the previous regime, they spent a lot of it. Now the president might put $100 billion of his own money in. Wow. Let's go to Terry. Listen on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Terry. Hey, Brian. Hey, I'd just like to give you a quick example of the difference between the Biden supporters uh, going into restaurants and screaming at people and berating people and those kind of different things. Uh, I'm from Central Florida. I was in a restaurant Sunday after church. With my mom and my two grandkids, we had a total of four 
Trump hats, two Trump T-shirts, and one Trump phone cover. Yep. And it was a $65 bill, and about three-quarters of the way in, the waitress came over and said, hey, I just wanted to tell you your bill has been picked up by somebody who loves your Trump attire. And a couple minutes later, a guy from New York came over, about 45, and he said, I just want to tell you that (laughs) we love your Trump support. I picked up your bill and your tip, and he said, um, Cuomo and de Blasio are idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. We love Donald Trump in New York. So that's the difference of class, breaking people's stuff and yelling at them or picking up their check. Well, that could be, but they, he does agree with you. Uh, it would be better if a Trump person picked up a Biden person's tab. That would be a, a better analogy. But there's a lot less anger with the Trump people. People are pointing out that Trump, pro-Trump groups are showing up in Portland and Seattle. No kidding. The cops can't do anything. They're cutting their budgets. The mayors won't crack down. After a while, people are tired of being victims. They want to stand up for the business owners and want another voice be heard. That's welcoming vigilantism, not justifying it, but it welcomes it. Chaos, the void always fills chaos. Patrick is also in Florida. Patrick. Hello? Patrick, you're on. Uh, Yes, did she tell you uh, why I called? What's on your mind, Patrick? Uh, I just wanted to make a brief comment that... In my case, and if you want me to tell you why, I will tell you why, but in my particular case, in regards to the decision that I will be making whether to take the uh, vaccine for the coronavirus or not to take it, I will not use whatever President Trump says as the basis for my decision. Right. Keep going. What will? Pardon me? What will? What will decide? Well, I'm going to uh, look at how thoroughly it was tested, and I'm going to listen to uh, various doctors. And one of the things I'll do is I'll speak to my own primary care physician. Exactly. That's what you should do. And you know what? If Donald Trump isn't surrounded by scientists and doctors to break down what it is, he's missing a great opportunity to sell the country on the vaccine that works. Number two is you don't want people doubting. You ultimately want people healthy. You want a country healthy. So if Donald Trump goes, we got a vaccine, it's in the back room, got to run, got a lot of things to do, that's a problem. He's not going to do that. The CDC, the FDA are all over this. These companies will be destroyed if this kills people. Johnson & Johnson uh, will will be done as a company if they blow this. That Oxford group, done. So there's a lot at stake. It's not going to be the Donald Trump vaccine. That's why I found this comment from Kamala Harris really, really ill-timed, irresponsible, and not well thought out. Cut 28. I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump, and it would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the, um, the efficacy and the, and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. What he said is it would be great if we came up with some bleach for the body to get rid of it as opposed to the surfaces in the press conference. Got it? But he was uh, he did not wasn't artful in that delivery. That was artfully delivered, but it was so irresponsible to do that. 
because the same apparatus that's going to get a vaccine for this country is going to be the same one in place regardless who's president and vice president. So she should have said that. If it goes through the criteria and the rigorous testing that it normally goes through, it doesn't matter who's president. That's your answer. That's why she failed as a candidate. She's as bright as it comes. She's got experience, but she doesn't think these things out. Maybe people and Democrats think it's a great statement. I can't see how it's responsible. Here's Dr. Scott Atlas. Martha played that for him last night, and then this is what he said. Cut 32. I've said it before, but only in Washington would be uh, bad news to have a very rapid accelerated development of a vaccine in a pandemic where 200,000 Americans have died. I mean, only here would that be considered bad news. He goes on. Cut 33. No one in the government has any idea about the data as the safety trial is going on. And it's being done in an incredibly rapid speed, this Operation Warp Speed that the president and the administration has put together. This is seven months after the initial identification of the genetic material of the virus into phase three clinical trial. I mean, this is like incredible news. We should be thrilled. And we're not. We should be. Just know this is about the doctors getting to the president. This is what they need. He said, what does it need to get this as quick as possible? Let's come up with Operation Warp Speed. He didn't say, I want to use this lab and I want it done at this date. How many, co- how many different companies are going to be doing this to set up the finalists? Okay, who's going to be the first phase? Who's going to be the second phase? Who's going to be in the third phase? And then what happens? Okay, how much money do they need to get there? All right, understood. Now, if we get it, the other problem is if, uh, if, if uh, competitor A gets it, they're not going to have enough vaccines to give out because they got to wait to make enough. So they're already making millions of this vaccine while people are testing it, knowing this could all be a waste. But that's how warp speed is set up in order to get it and give it. And I think it's terrible that only 21% of the country, according to a recent study, is ready to take it. Then we just just stay out of work. Don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just let the whole country crash. Ryan, listen on WABC in, in uh, Pearl River, New York. Hey, Ryan. All right. How's it going there, Brian? And uh, the thing is, with these uh, lunatic looting rioters, I mean, when people, these politicians give in to them, these big corporations give them money, stuff money down their pockets, their appetite is just going to get bigger and bigger. And this, folks, don't be fooled. This is a political movement. This is not a social movement, which is going on. Because if it was, we would have to scrutinize every crime. Since 1960, there's been 600,000 people murdered in this country, over a million people a million women raped in this country, a million assaults, robberies. So then we have to scrutinize everything, folks. It's a social movement. It's growing bigger and bigger. I hear people um, using the term capitalism. That was that phrase was coined by Karl Marx. So you're actually quoting Karl Marx. We are a free enterprise, free market system in, in, in the United States of America. And the thing is, because of open borders, Every enemy has their people inside America. America has become a giant refugee camp. We cannot absorb the world's poor. We cannot do that. Two things to keep in mind, folks. We got a 17-year-old kid in Kenosha. He's not in Kenosha, but he's sitting in a jail cell in Illinois. And we also, because of open borders, this country is going bankrupt. Well, uh, that's part of what President Trump ran on. I think he's done a good job cracking down on the border. He took a lot of incoming because of it. Now people don't even bring it up. But the fact is he went to court to stop the sanctuary cities. He couldn't do it, which is scary. They're a magnet. We know that. In California, they're saying, come in, come all. And I think people deciding just to leave. 
rather than vote somebody in that will crack down on the border and change the immigration process and support uh, support these tougher immigration laws. It's not that America lost its heart. We just have to have a certain number of refugees and a certain number in in order to sustain itself. It is not 1790. We haven't even had manifest destiny yet. We're looking for people, as you know, in life with teams. Uh, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs need fewer picks than the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's just the way at this point it's made up. In five years, it might be exactly inverse. But you pick the people you want because we are the country you are because of that. The world suffers if America is weak, and we have to be smart about it. Just to give you an idea how bad it is, 48 of the 50 largest cities in the, U- in the U.S. have been hit by Black Lives Matter riots. Now, the Princeton study says only 93% of the demonstrations connected to the movement have resulted in destructive activity. Only 7% have. Listen, either someone's hijacking that movement, you better come forward, because people wearing your stuff are out there wrecking things in Portland, in Seattle, in New York. We watched it in Rochester. They're coming from out of town. And people are assessing who they're voting for for it. Even though President Trump is president, most clear think people know, no matter who the president is, you cannot control Portland or Minneapolis, Rochester. That's not the way our system is set up. And if the president is saying, I'm sending my troops and I don't care what the governors say, you'd have a legitimate complaint that the president has overstepped his bounds. You know, doing what Eisenhower did and what Kennedy did, that was a different time. Listen, I'm going to be outnumbered at the top of the hour. I'm going to do more to know when we come back. Let me try to squeeze in one more call real quick. Uh, Lisa Marie in Florida. Lisa. Hi there, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Your thoughts? Um, I just wanted to mention that it's it's getting beyond the protesters. It's just not these paid protesters who are costing people. I have a little business in Cocoa, and the actual person who owns the store across the street in me, from me came into my store screaming at me, jabbing his hand in my face, refusing to leave my store, calling me a mother effer because I voted for Trump. Unbelievable. Elisa Marie, it's got to stop. And that's why people are keeping their mouth shut and voting the same way. Hey, I'd like to welcome KZRGFM 1079 in Great Bend, Kansas. Kansas has been a hotbed for us. We're honored to be on and hope you can call in 1-866-408-7669. Be outnumbered at the top of the hour. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. What do I need to know? Like, what's the thing about the ice cream? He loves ice cream. You know, Tell me about well, that. Well, uh, ice cream is big. Uh, pasta with red sauce, he, he, can, he, he can go deep on that. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he really does like those aviator glasses. He knows he looks good in them. <laughs> So there is uh, Barack Obama t- uh, telling Kamala Harris uh, what Joe Biden likes, trying to personalize this whole thing, just like Joe Biden has a conversation with Barack Obama. That's kind of interesting. The other day, Kamala Harris interviewed Joe Biden, but Joe Biden doesn't sit down with anybody else. He tried that a few weeks ago and didn't really work too well. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, we are doing more to know. And that was the first example. Allison, do you think people are buying that? Do they like that? 
I think the people that already love them are loving it, but I don't know who it's winning over. It was about a five-minute video of just this little love fest. Like, oh, what do you do to You're stay grounded? not even grounded? in person, right? This oh, is... no. It was, you know, a Zoom call or whatever it was. You know, she likes to work out in the morning, and, you know, she loves to FaceTime with kids to feel grounded. <laughs> I'm, I kid you not. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Hey, companies around the world are trying to solve their back-to-work puzzle, but few workers trust their bosses to make the right decision. Get this. Just 14% of employees trust CEOs or their senior managers to lead them to return to work. Only half believe their offices are safe. Uh, Richard Edelman, the CEO, gives this example. This return to work uh, workplace is huge for business. If done safely and well, if not, you'll have a 2008 moment when trust in business was really diminished. I want to go back, but I think a lot of companies are saying how much money I'm saving on commercial real estate, rental sales, lease sales, and maybe seeing if I can be as productive. Long term, I think it's terrible. People need work relationships. They need to go out to lunch. It builds bonds with customers. If you're in sales, this is a disaster, don't you think? Oh, I totally agree. And I mean, how many interactions can you think over your career that you happen to just like meet someone like in the kitchen at work, right, getting coffee, and you end up it's a good story or you end yeah. up, oh, it's the CEO or, I don't know. It, like, it can is, you imagine the office without the office? They won't be at the office. The office would be, the, the the comedy show would just be the, it would be the Zoom. No Michael Scott. There would be no Michael Zoom. Scott because they never worked, right? They That's, didn't. It was all, everything else. Next, speaking of Zoom, with so many of us spending so much time out of our day on Zoom calls, Eric Yon, the CEO of Zoom Video Communications, with a net worth of $11 billion, is among this year's newcomers in the Forbes 400, the 39th ranking, of course. Uh, it now has Jim uh, uh, Koch, one of the Koch brothers, co-founder and chairman of the Boston Beer Company. Jim Cook, I should say. Uh, producer of Sam Adams Beer with a net worth of $2.6 billion. Uh, at 38 years old, newcomer Trevor Milton, founder and electric, uh, hydro, hydroelectric truck maker uh, Nicola, is now part of that list. President Trump dropped to 352 from 275 last year. Another thing from 2020, would you ever have thought the Zoom CEO would be up there? Absolutely. Listen to this. You just know that someone's going to come and buy Zoom. They buy every success, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram, one of those monster companies. I heard Microsoft Teams might be a little clearer, but they don't have the ability and dexterity of Zoom still, which stuns me. I could see sneaking up on these big tech firms, but I never thought they'd beat them and hold it. I agree with you there. I mean, the, the changes that have happened within the past few months with these companies is astonishing. I will say, I can't really speak to the intricacies of the different companies, right? Because we get to meet in person or just do phone calls compared to a lot of other people working from home. I know. Next, sports. The NBA, NHL, WNBA, and MLS bubbles worked. You know what I mean? When you go to one location, you live in that location. Uh, so it looks like, according to the AP, football is scattershot. We know they're going to be traveling every week. So is the NFL. But the NCAA, the NCAA is hoping to start the season in late November. For basketball, that is, with a vote uh, with a vote by the Division One Council, expected September 16th, they might do a bubble for the college hoop players. What do you think about that? I think it might work, but when do you go to school? I mean, it's going to make it obvious that these guys aren't at students at all. No, I totally de- agree with you. It defeats the point of college sports. Yeah, uh, we'll see how everybody does. Just let them play somehow, some way. But it just kills me that no fans will be there. But I still am looking forward to the NFL. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.